ready to keep you company wherever you are. Card Blanche, the podcast, brings you immersive, hard-hitting stories anytime, anywhere, every week. Another week, another whole week wrap with Daily Maverick and Carte Blanche. Coming up in today's episode. The scandals keep piling up against South Africa's deputy president, but all is perhaps not what it seems. A little help from his friends. In the case of Joburg Mayor Cabello Bomanda, it seems that's exactly what's happening. Definitely the EFF and ANC are pulling strings behind the scenes. And a small victory in a monumental fight as Caster Semenya is thrown a lifeline. Let's get into it. Welcome to another episode of the Whole Week Wrap with Daily Maverick and Carte Blanche. My name is Lazanne Janssen van Rensburg, and joining us today is Daily Maverick political journalist Queenan Maswabi. Uh, Queenan, we haven't had you on the show in quite a while. How are you doing? I'm extremely cold, Lazanne. I won't even lie to you. The weather throughout the country has been extremely cold. I've been trying to keep warm, basically. <laughs> oh, yeah, same here. And I feel like I just can't put on enough layers. Yeah, you can't have too many layers at this point. I don't blame you. Let's get into our first story. And I want to talk about our deputy president, Paul Mashatile. He's been in the news lately for all the wrong reasons. First, there was the very detailed News 24 reports on how the deputy president is allegedly living at large in various properties belonging to individuals implicated in state capture. And then there was the incident where Mashatile's VIP protection unit assaulted two motorists. And now the Gauteng Partnership Fund is investigating allegations of the abuse of public loans by his son and son-in-law. How damaging have these recent reports been to Mashatile's reputation? So before we talk about the allegations, we need to go back and talk about why these allegations are coming up at this point. And all mm-hmm. at once, you know. We can't ignore the fact that, you know, much wasn't written about Mashatile even during his term as the Secretary General of the ANC when the ANC was struggling to pay staff salaries. No one really cared about the man behind all of this. But ever since he ran for the position of Deputy President in the ANC, which saw him also become the Deputy President of the country, Mashatile has had to deal with a lot of articles, leaked information, not only about his life in the political phase, but his private life. And this started just after he was appointed as the deputy president. There were articles about his ex-lover, his scorned lover, Gugun Gossi, who had been with the deputy president for a while, but did not manage to get a proposal from him. The deputy president instead decided to marry his former business partner's widow. It's Humile Njongile. That is when everything started to unravel for Mashatile. Mm. Now, politically, if we look at other examples and case studies within the ANC, and other political parties, any kind of scandal about people's private life usually doesn't have any bearing on their political standing and it usually does not threaten their positions in in the party itself. However, if this is a complaint or um, if it's information about a political figure prominent as a deputy president engulfed in friendships and 
living a particular life that is linked to those implicated in state capture or individuals who are seen to be dodgy facing court cases like Edwin Sodi, who's one of the co-accused in the asbestos case alongside the ANC's former Secretary General Ace Mahashule. If it is about any kind of dodgy dealings, then that's when we need to sit up and listen and think about what it means for our country and the leadership we want in our country. Mashatile obviously didn't take this line down. I mean, we, we saw him telling the city press that all of these issues form part of a plot to oust him. And then obviously ANC President Cyril Ramaphosa came forward and he denied this outright. Do you believe there's any truth to this, that it is some kind of plot to get rid of him? Can you maybe give us some context as to why someone might want to get rid of him? In terms of what the deputy president said um, in the city press regarding the possibility that they are a group of people and individual who's trying to get him out of his position, it is quite possibly true because we do know in the ANC every single time there's contestation of any sort, these kind of issues come into play, right? And we mm. saw that um, even last year when it was the ANC or leading up to the ANC National Conference, there were a lot of articles discrediting various members, people who had been suspended just before the actual National Conference, people who were hanging in the balance or, or their reputations were hanging in the balance just before the conference we had to fight to actually be able to contest positions in the ANC. So we know how dirty it gets. We know how muddy it gets ahead of any contestation. And already there's been a perception in the ANC by a certain bloc that is anti-President Cyril Ramaphosa that would preferably want him out. And this would be through the Palapala matter. The thinking is that he would be out if it is that there's anything implicating him to Palapala or pinning him down to a point where he does have to relinquish his duties and allow for the deputy to step in and the deputy now is Paul Mashatile, right? So mm-hmm. there are some in the party who want the president out and would prefer for Mashatile to come in, right? Just before elections. And the fact that it is the president's second term, which is most probably his final term, obviously there is a push and pull within the party to see who is next, to see who will succeed him. And as we can see with what happened to David Mabuza, it is quite unpredictable space because our perception was that David Mabuza would get a second term as deputy president and then go on to be president, which has been, you know, a norm in the ANC in most Mm. instances, if you look at the ANC's history. But that did not happen. So now, because of how dynamics have changed in the party, people have realized that, you know, it is possible to have a one-term deputy president and it is possible to push out the deputy president and, and get an opportunity to be president. So right now there's a lot of battles within the party regarding who will be the party leader next and obviously a lot of people have presidential ambitions where they'd be members who are already in the ANC top six or members who are NEC members or those who just completely do not want Mashatile at the helm and I think that is the reason why because he came in as the dark horse of the contestation last year doing stories around the conference and speaking to people who had known him for many years they had never anticipated that he would be the deputy president of the country at this point they have seen the kind of power he has politically and how he can move so swiftly and people are concerned about him getting that position everyone wants it everyone sees a gap everyone has their favorite contender so i think definitely there are grounds for people to talk about the possibility of him being ousted but Mm. at the same time it does not mean we cannot take these allegations seriously so do you think this whole mashatile scandal and the various scandals will have an impact on their the elections next year 
or do you think this is more an internal issue that the ANC will have to deal with? I do believe it's an internal issue for now. Whether it will affect the ANC nationally when it comes to 2024 elections, um, I'm not 100% convinced that it will. Based on the fact that people are struggling with other issues. I mean, South Africans are struggling with bread and butter issues. So if the ANC is able to fix that while its internal politics and fights play out, I don't think it would be an issue. He's been called a puppet mayor and a con man. But it seems Joburg Mayor Cabello Guamanda isn't going anywhere. And the ANC and EFF will do anything in their power to keep him firmly in his seat. So moving on to another problematic political figure, this is Joburg's Mayor Cabello Guamanda. He's set to face a vote of no confidence later this month. Could you summarize the reason for Action SA's bid to have him unseated? There are a lot of issues around Gabriel Guamanda. And I think one of them is the allegations which were made about him being a part of a Ponzi scheme where they possibly robbed some community members of their money. And this was a burial scheme that was supposed to help community members. But eventually things are said to have gone pear-shaped and this affected a lot of households. I think that is the main basis around it. Generally, there's been a sense that this man is incompetent, he's not qualified for the job, you know, there's some kind of distrust between other political parties and him. They look at, you know, the the kind of leadership he provides. Is he in charge at all? Or is Mm. he merely a puppet for the ANC and EFF coalition? So there are a lot of concerns not only about, you know, his past, but the kind of leadership he can provide for the city. The whole idea that he's basically just a puppet, that the city is effectively under the ANC's control. It's not too far-fetched, you know, if you really think about it. So what are your thoughts on that? So the ANC and EFF in Gauteng came together saying that they want to take all these municipalities away from the DA. Just for context, I just want to highlight that Mm. there were so many hung councils in Gauteng after the 2021 elections. And because the EFF wanted to keep the ANC out, they voted with the DA. But there was no formal agreement between the two parties. And that's why the EFF has been able to turn around and say listen, now we want to uh, broker a deal with the ANC and that's exactly what they did. It's resulted in the ANC winning back so many municipalities in- including its city of Joburg, it's um, Mfuleni, Mughale City, a number of municipalities in Gauteng. The DA only now governs in Tswane, but in Tswane it's a coalition and then fully in Midvale. I can say that definitely this is an EFF ANC plan and the reason why they have not been able to be at the helm in most of these municipalities they've taken back from the DA is because they haven't been able to reach a resolution with the EFF around who actually should govern. As you might know, Lazan, the EFF has never governed. They've never had an opportunity to do so mm-hmm. ever since it's been formed in 2013. And I think the main concern probably from the EFF from where I'm sitting is that You know, you can't be in a situation where you have nothing to show leading up to the national elections. You've been there as an opposition, but now it's time to kind of get into the thick of things and show your capabilities as a party. And they've had a lot of discord around which municipalities should be given to the EFF and which should be given to the ANC. And this resulted in them making a decision to allow smaller parties to govern. And this has meant the likes of Al Jamal for the first time with only 
about three seats, I think, in city of Joburg, being able to govern. Whereas also like in Mokhalif city, for example, the ATM only has one seat and they got the mayorship. So definitely the EFF and ANC are pulling strings behind the scenes. They have tried to back every minority mayor. The same can be said with Zabelo Kwamanda. They've stood their ground in supporting him. And even behind the scenes, they do support him. They have tried to get in some of the communication specialists to come and assist him, especially with his PR, to ensure that he's not on, on television and says the wrong thing and, you know, starts fear or, or kind of discord in society about whether he should be at the helm or not. So that's definitely one thing I can say the ANC and EFF are doing behind the scenes. This is just a measure for them to make sure that even if they are not at the helm, they also have MMC. So for instance, in the city of Joburg, while they don't have the mayorship, the MMC of finance is from the ANC and most of the MMCs are from the ANC. We know that there's also a PA MMC, which is Kenny Kunene, and then there's also one from the EFF. So they've shared all the positions amongst those who've been able to band together and keep the DA out. But as the majority of stakeholders in that coalition, I do believe that there are many strings they are pulling behind the scenes. The, the reality is that the residents of Joburg and these other metros are left suffering through it while they play political chess. For sure. They were closing off their local government summit. That's the ANC in Gauteng. And they were talking about, you know, what they need to improve to ensure that they're able to win back the trust of South Africans. And, you know, they did highlight that there was a huge trust deficit. So the ANC is quite aware of their shortcomings. But whether they are able to ensure that they fix this is another question altogether. Call it a symbolic win, if you will, but Castor Semenya's victory at the European Court for Human Rights last week has clearly breathed new life into the Olympic athletes' fight against what she calls World Athletics Discriminatory Regulations. For the past five years, Semenya has lodged several unsuccessful appeals against World Athletics' requirement that some female athletes with high natural testosterone levels should take drugs to lower it. But the European Court for Human Rights has ruled that she should be provided another, more fair chance to state her case. So getting into our green shoot for this week, South African athlete Kasta Semenya claimed victory at the European Court of Human Rights last week when it ruled that the world athletics regulations were discriminatory. And it's been a lengthy and I, I can only imagine emotionally draining fight for Kasta. I think all South Africans have been watching all these proceedings with a keen eye. And at some point, I won't even lie to you, I forgot about it because... Yeah, because it's been going on since 2018. It's been kind of dragging on for years. Yeah, it's been dragging for years and new people have come up in the sporting world, more athletes and, you know, things have shifted quite a bit. Obviously, Kasta has been in the background fighting this battle, but can I say something that's quite interesting that I heard on the radio recently? It's not actually that Kasta has won the battle, it's just to say that the case confirms that 
the other court that dismissed her claims were incorrect to do so. So basically, that, that's what the ruling is about. So there's still a long journey ahead for, for Kasta if she does decide to take the matter forward. What mm-hmm. I can say is that this is a small victory and we do need to celebrate because she is a woman in sport and, you know, all these regulations obviously are going to hamper her career. And imagine sitting for these past couple of years not being able to compete. It mm-hmm. basically means that she's missed out on so many opportunities. She's missed out on endorsements and endorsements obviously mean money. You know, it means that uh, she'd be able to take care of herself and her family. So it's it's really not only about the sport itself. It, it, there are a lot of implications to this and there are a lot of women who would be affected by this. Mm. As you've rightfully said that World Athletics made it very clear straight after this judgment that they have no intention on changing the regulations just yet in terms of testosterone levels, etc. So I'm, I'm kind of hoping that Kasten and her legal team take this further and in the meantime i really hope that she can return to the track relatively soon but uh yeah for now i think she's kind of stuck in limbo again unfortunately yeah of course she is stuck in limbo and the other thing that world athletics did highlight is that they would also be going to the judgment and seeing if they could take any further legal steps it's going to be a bitter battle it's not over yet as south africans and like women all over the world all we can do is really support casta and make sure she knows that we are fully behind her absolutely and on that sort of positive note we wrap things up queenan thanks so much for joining us it's been such a joy having you back and i hope we can chat again very soon. Thank you so much, Lazan. It was great talking to you. And that's a wrap. In case you missed any of our previous chats with Daily Maverick, you can find them all on Carte Blanche, the podcast, available on Spotify and all major podcasting platforms.